Section 36 of Ulysses. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Ulysses by James Joyce. Part 2. The Odyssey. Episode 14. Oxen of the Sun. Part 4. To revert to Mr. Bloom, who, after his first entry, had been conscious of some impudent mocks, which he, however, had borne, with as being the fruits of that age upon which it is commonly charged that it knows not pity. The young sparks, it is true, were as full of extravagancies as overgrown children. The words of their tumultuary discussions were difficultly understood, and not often nice. Their testiness and outrageous motes were such that his intellects resiled from, nor were they scrupulously sensible of the proprieties, though their fund of strong animal spirits spoke in their behalf. But the word of Mr. Costello was an unwelcome language for him, for he nauseated the wretch that seemed to him a crop-eared creature of a misshapen gibbosity, born out of wedlock, and thrust like a crookback, toothed and feet first into the world, which the dint of the surgeon's pliers in his skull lent indeed a color to, so as to put him in thought of that missing link of creation's chain, desiderated by the late ingenious Mr. Darwin. It was now for more than the middle span of our allotted years that he had passed through the thousand vicissitudes of existence, and, being of a wary ascendancy, and self a man of rare forecast, he had enjoined his heart to repress all motions of a rising choler, and, by intercepting them with the readiest precaution, foster within his breast that plenitude of sufferance which base minds jeer at, rash judgers scorn, and all find tolerable, and but tolerable. To those who create themselves wits at the cost of feminine delicacy, a habit of mind which he never did hold with, to them he would concede neither to bear the name nor to inherit the tradition of a proper breeding, while for such that, having lost all forbearance, can lose no more, there remained the sharp antidote of experience to cause their insolency to beat a precipitate and inglorious retreat. Not but what he could feel with mettlesome youth, which, caring naught for the mows of dotards or the gruntlings of the severe, is ever, as the chaste fancy of the holder writer expresses it, for eating of the tree forbid it, yet not so far forth as to pretermit humanity upon any condition soever towards a gentlewoman when she was about her lawful occasions. To conclude, while from the sister's words he had reckoned upon a speedy delivery, he was, however, it must be owned, not a little alleviated by the intelligence that the issue so auspicated after an ordeal of such duress now testified once more to the mercy as well as to the bounty of the Supreme Being. Accordingly he broke his mind to his neighbor, saying that, to express his notion of the thing, his opinion, who ought not perchance to express one, was that one must have a cold constitution and a frigid genius not to be rejoiced by this freshest news of the fruition of her confinement, since she had been in such pain through no fault of hers. The dressy young blade said it was her husband's that put her in that expectation, or at least it ought to be, unless she were another Ephesian matron. I must acquaint you, said Mr. Crothers, clapping on the table so as to evoke a resonant comment of emphasis, Old Glory Aleuurum was around again to-day, an elderly man with Dundrearies, 
preferring through his nose a request to have word of Wilhelmina, my life, as he calls her. I bade him hold himself in readiness for that the event would burst anon. Slife, I'll be round with you. I cannot but extol the virile potency of the old bucko that could still knock another child out of her. All fell to praising of it, each after his own fashion, though that same young blade held with his former view that another than her conjugial had been the man in the gap, a clerk in orders, a link-boy, virtuous, or an itinerant vendor of articles needed in every household. Singular communed the guest with himself, the wonderfully unequal faculty of metempsychosis possessed by them, that the pure apparel, dormitory, and the dissecting theatre should be the seminaries of such frivolity, that the mere acquisition of academic titles should suffice to transform in a pinch of time these votaries of levity into exemplary practitioners of an art which most men anywise eminent have esteemed the noblest. But, he further added, it is mayhap to relieve the pent-up feelings that in common oppress them, for I have more than once observed that birds of a feather laugh together. But with what fitness, let it be asked of the noble lord, his patron, has this alien, whom the concession of a gracious prince has admitted to civic rights, constituted himself the lord paramount of our internal polity? Where is now that gratitude which loyalty should have counselled? During the recent war, whenever the enemy had a temporary advantage with his granados, did this traitor to his kind not seize that moment to discharge his peace against the empire of which he is a tenant at will while he trembled for the security of his four per cents? Has he forgotten this as he forgets all benefits received? Or is it that from being a deluder of others he has become at last his own dupe as he is, if report belie him not, his own and his only enjoyer? Far be it from candor to violate the bedchamber of a respectable lady, the daughter of a gallant major, or to cast the most distant reflections upon her virtue, but if he challenges attention there, as it was indeed highly his interest not to have done, then be it so. Unhappy woman! She has been too long and too persistently denied her legitimate prerogative to listen to his objurgations with any other feeling than the derision of the desperate. He says this, a censor of morals, a very pelican in his piety, who did not scruple, oblivious of the ties of nature, to attempt illicit intercourse with a female domestic drawn from the lowest strata of society. Nay, had the hussy scouring brush not been her tutelary angel, it had gone with her as hard as with Hagar the Egyptian. In the question of the grazing lands his peevish asperity is notorious, and in Mr. Cuff's hearing brought upon him from an indignant rancher a scathing retort couched in terms as straightforward as they were bucolic. It ill becomes him to preach that gospel. Has he not nearer home a seed-field that lies fallow for the want of the plowshare? A habit reprehensible at puberty is second nature and an opprobrium in middle life. If he must dispense his balm of Gilead in nostrums and apothegms of dubious taste to restore to health a generation of unfledged profligates, let his practice consist better with the doctrines that now engross him. His marital breast is the repository of secrets which decorum is reluctant to adduce. The lewd suggestions of some faded beauty 
may console him for a consort neglected and debauched but this now exponent of morals and healer of ills is at his best an exotic tree which when rooted in its native orient throve and flourished and was abundant in balm but transplanted to a clime more temperate its roots have lost their quondam vigor while the stuff that comes away from it is stagnant acid and inoperative the news was imparted with a circumspection recalling the ceremonial usage of the sublime porte by the second female infirmarian to the junior medical officer in residence who in his turn announced to the delegation that an heir had been born when he had betaken himself to the women's apartment to assist at the prescribed ceremony of the afterbirth in the presence of the secretary of state for domestic affairs and the members of the privy council silent in unanimous exhaustion and approbation the delegates chafing under the length and solemnity of their vigil and hoping that the joyful occurrence would palliate a license which the simultaneous absence of abigail and obstetrician rendered the easier broke out at once into a strife of tongues in vain the voice of mr canvasser bloom was heard endeavoring to urge to mollify to refrain the moment was too propitious for the display of that discursiveness which seemed the only bond of union among tempers so divergent every phase of the situation was successively eviscerated the prenatal repugnance of uterine brothers the caesarean section posthumity with the respect to the father and that rarer form with respect to the mother the fratricidal case known as the child's murder and rendered memorable by the impassioned plea of mr advocate bush which secured the acquittal of the wrongfully accused the rights of primogeniture and king's bounty touching twins and triplets miscarriages and infanticides simulated or dissimulated the ecardiac fetus in fetu and aprosopia due to a congestion the agnathia of certain chinless chinamen cited by mr candidate mulligan in consequence of defective reunion of the maxillary knobs along the medial line so that as he said one ear could hear what the other spoke the benefits of anesthesia or twilight sleep the prolongation of labor pains in advanced gravidancy by reason of pressure on the vein the premature relentment of the amniotic fluid as exemplified in the actual case with consequent peril of sepsis to the matrix artificial insemination by means of syringes involution of the womb consequent upon the menopause the problem of the perpetration of the species in the case of females impregnated by delinquent rape that distressing manner of delivery called by the brandenburgers sturzgebert the recorded instances of multi-seminal twi-kindled and monstrous births conceived during the catamenic period or of consanguineous parents in a word all the cases of human nativity which aristotle has classified in his masterpiece with chromolithographic illustrations the gravest problems of obstetrics and forensic medicine were examined with as much animation as the most popular beliefs on the state of pregnancy such as the forbidding to a gravid woman to step over a country style lest by her movement 
the navel cord should strangle her creature, and the injunction upon her in the event of a yearning, ardently and ineffectually entertained, to place her hand against that part of her person, which long usage has consecrated as the seat of castigation. The abnormalities of hair-lip, breast-mole, supernumerary digits, negro's inkle, strawberry mark, and port-wine stain were alleged by one as a prima facie and natural hypothetical explanation of those swine-headed, the case of Madame Grissel Stevens was not forgotten, or dog-haired infants occasionally born. The hypothesis of a plasmic memory, advanced by the Caledonian envoy, and worthy of the metaphysical traditions of the land he stood for, envisaged in such cases an arrest of embryonic development at some stage antecedent to the human. An outlandish delegate sustained against both these views, with such heat as almost carried conviction. The theory of copulation between women and the males of brutes, his authority being his own avouchment in support of fables, such as that of the Minotaur, which the genius of the elegant Latin poet has handed down to us in the pages of his Metamorphosis. The impression made by his words was immediate but short-lived. It was effaced as easily as it had been evoked by an allocution from Mr. Candidate Mulligan in that vein of pleasantry which none better than he knew how to effect, postulating as the supremest object of desire a nice clean old man. Contemporaneously, a heated argument, having arisen between Mr. Delegate Madden and Mr. Candidate Lynch, regarding the juridical and theological dilemma created in the event of one Siamese twin predeceasing the other, the difficulty by mutual consent was referred to Mr. Canvasser Bloom for instant submittal to Mr. Coadjutor Deacon Didalus. Hitherto silent, whether the better to show by preternatural gravity that curious dignity of the garb with which he was invested, or in obedience to an inward voice, he delivered briefly and, as some thought, perfunctorily, the ecclesiastical ordinance forbidding man to put asunder what God has joined. But Malachi's tale began to freeze them with horror. He conjured up the scene before them. The secret panel beside the chimney slid back, and in the recess appeared Haynes. Which of us did not feel his flesh creep? He had a portfolio of Celtic literature in one hand, in the other a file marked Poison. Surprise, horror, loathing were depicted on all faces, while he eyed them with a ghostly grin. I anticipated some such reception, he began, with an eldritch laugh, for which it seems history is to blame. Yes, it is true. I am the murderer of Samuel Childs, and how I am punished. The inferno has no terrors for me. This is the appearances on me. Tear and ages, what way would I be resting at all, he muttered thickly, and I tramping Dublin this while back with my share of songs, and himself after me, the like of a solf or a bullawurus. My hell and Ireland's is in this life. It is what I tried to obliterate my crime. Distractions, rook-shooting, the earth's language, he recited some. Loudenum, he raised the file to his lips. Camping out, in vain, his spectre stalks me. Dope is my only hope. Ah, destruction, the black panther. With a cry, he suddenly vanished, and the panel slid back. An instant later, his head appeared in the door opposite and said, 
Meet me at Westland Row Station at ten past eleven. He was gone. Tears gushed from the eyes of the dissipated host. The seer raised his hand to heaven, murmuring, The Vendetta of Mananown. The sage repeated, Lex Talionis. The sentimentalist is he who would enjoy without incurring the immense debtorship for a thing done. Malachias, overcome by emotion, ceased. The mystery was unveiled. Haynes was the third brother. His real name was Childs. The Black Panther was himself the ghost of his own father. He drank drugs to obliterate. For this relief, much thanks. The lonely house by the graveyard is uninhabited. No soul will live there. The spider pitches her web in the solitude. The nocturnal rat peers from his hole. A curse is on it. It is haunted. Murderer's ground. What is the age of the soul of man? As she hath the virtue of the chameleon to change her hue at every new approach, to be gay with the merry and mournful with the downcast, so too is her age changeable as her mood. No longer is Leopold, as he sits there, ruminating, chewing the cud of reminiscence, that staid agent of publicity and holder of a modest substance in the funds. A score of years are blown away. He is young Leopold. There, as in a retrospective arrangement, a mirror within a mirror. Hey, presto! He beholdeth himself. That young figure of then is seen, precociously manly, walking on a nipping morning from the old house in Clanbrasil Street to the high school, his book satchel on him bandolier-wise, and in it a goodly hunk of wheat and loaf, a mother's thought. Or it is the same figure, a year or so gone over, in his first hard hat. Ah, that was the day! Already on the road, a full-fledged traveller for the family firm, equipped with an order-book, a scented handkerchief, not for show only. His case of bright trinket-ware, alas, a thing now of the past, and a quiver full of compliant smiles for this or that half-one housewife reckoning it out upon her finger-tips, or for a budding virgin, shyly acknowledging, But the heart, tell me, his studied baisemois, the scent, the smile, but more than these, the dark eyes and oleaginous address, brought home at duskfall many a commission to the head of the firm, seated with Jacob's pipe after like labors in the paternal ingle, a meal of noodles, you may be sure, is a heating, reading through round horn spectacles some paper from the Europe of a month before. But, hey, presto, the mirror is breathed on, and the young knight-errant recedes, shrivels, dwindles to a tiny speck within the mist. Now he is himself paternal, and these about him might be his sons. Who can say? The wise father knows his own child. He thinks of a drizzling night in Hatch Street, hard by the bonded stores there, the first. Together she is a poor waif, a child of shame, yours and mine, and of all for a bare shilling and her luck penny. Together they hear the heavy tread of the watch as two rain-caped shadows pass the new royal university. Bridie! Bridie Kelly! He will never forget the name, ever remember the night. First night, the bride night. They are entwined in nethermost darkness, the willer with the willed, and in an instant, fiat! Light shall flood the world. Did heart leap to heart? Nay, fair reader, 
in a breath twas done but hold back it must not be in terror the poor girl flees away through the murk she is the bride of darkness a daughter of night she dare not bear the sunny golden babe of day no leopold name and memory solace thee not that youthful illusion of thy strength was taken from thee and in vain no son of thy loins is by thee there is none now to be for leopold what leopold was for rudolph the voices blend and fuse in clouded silence silence that is the infinite of space and swiftly silently the soul is wafted over regions of cycles of generations that have lived a region where gray twilight ever descends never falls on wide sage-green pasture fields shedding her dusk scattering a perennial dew of stars she follows her mother with ungainly steps a mare leading her filly foal twilight phantoms are they yet moulded in prophetic grace of structure slim shapely haunches a supple tendinous neck the meek apprehensive skull they fade sad phantoms all is gone agendath is a waste land a home of screech owls and the sand-blind yupupa netayem the golden is no more and on the highway of the clouds they come muttering thunder of rebellion the ghosts of beasts Hua! hark Hua! parallax stalks behind and goads them the lancinating lightnings of whose brow are scorpions elk and yak the bulls of bashan and of babylon mammoth and mastodon they come trooping to the sunken sea lacus mortis ominous revengeful zodiacal host they moan passing upon the clouds horned and capricorned the trumpeted with the tusked the lion maned the giant antlered snouter and crawler rodent ruminant and pachyderm all their moving moaning multitude murderers of the sun onward to the dead sea they tramp to drink unslaked and with horrible gulpings the salt somnolent inexhaustible flood and the equine portent grows again magnified in the deserted heavens nay to heaven's own magnitude till it looms vast over the house of virgo and lo wonder of metempsychosis it is she the everlasting bride harbinger of the day star the bride ever virgin it is she martha thou lost one millicent the young the dear the radiant how serene does she now arise a queen among the pleiades in the penultimate antelucan hour shod in sandals of bright gold quaffed with a veil of what do you call it gossamer it floats it flows about her starborn flesh and loose it streams emerald sapphire mauve and heliotrope sustained on currents of the cold interstellar wind winding coiling simply swirling writhing in the skies a mysterious writing till after a myriad metamorphoses of symbol it blazes alpha a ruby and triangled sign upon the forehead of taurus end of section 36 read by richard wallace liberty missouri 26 october 2010